0: We're two-thirds of the way into our year as a church. Walking with the Lord is our theme. James has a lot to say about our walk with the Lord, and we will be in the book of James for uh, several more months. I don't know exactly how long it will take me, uh, but I don't want to go quickly through James, and so we're going to it verse by verse, word by word. We'll, we'll hopefully cover six verses today. That are some of the most convicting verses in James. If you don't have these memorized, you probably have heard them. And I would encourage you to memorize uh, them because we deceive ourselves. Whenever you see deceive yourself, your ears ought to perk up in the book of James. That's to draw your attention to something because we are all self deceivers. We deceive ourselves. And the more we give into pride, pride is a blinder. Uh, in the Old and New Testament, and we cannot see our sin. And uh, you have probably talked to someone who you have had to confront or rebuke, and they can't see their sin, and you pray that God would open their eyes so that they can see their sin, and when they see it, help them to turn from it and repent. And uh, hopefully the Lord this morning uh, in us, that we, He will work in us, that we would respond in a way that is appropriate uh, to the text this morning. James 1, I have a few friends with me today, they're not alive, they are um, objects, and you probably guess what they are based on our title, a mirror and a filter. So those two pictures today that James gives us, and I have uh, a common mirror and uh, a not so common filter uh, to show you, and when, uh, when we get to it, I'll, I'll pull those out. So what do we see here in James 1? Uh, have, what have we seen already? That James expects our, t- our faith to be tested. When it's tested is when we really find out whether we're uh, walking with the Lord and we're growing as Christians. Many times testing comes our way and we think we're stronger than we are until the test comes. We're like, oh, I'm not as strong as I thought. Just like when you thought you knew a, a, a subject very well, and the teacher gives a test, you're like, oh, I bombed that. I thought I knew this, and this was, no, I didn't study for this, or I didn't remember this, and God gives us tests. He is um, allows us to go through various trials and many trials at the same time, and your trials are similar but uh, unique to you and similar to other people, but God is not behind the, the, the temptation, and trials without endurance uh, cause us to be tempted, and we cannot blame God when we're tempted to doubt God or not obey God. And so it's our fault when we sin. Satan is not even mentioned in James 1. So it's our fault. We deceive ourselves. We are the ones who are to blame. And then James tells us in verse 19 that God is for us in verses 17 and 18, James 1, 19, that we have to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's another verse that we all need to have this memorized. Because this is so opposite of how we normally live. So verse 19 and then verses 22 to to, uh, to 25 for sure, you need to have in your, in your mind because over and over again, we need to remind ourselves of this. I'd like to refer to James 1.22 like every message. <laughs> At the end of every message, this should be in our thinking because we often think as Christians, how many of you have been saved for longer than 10 years? Put your hand up. Okay, longer than 20 years, keep your hand up. Longer than 30 years, keep your hand up. So, if you have been saved for longer than 30 years and you went to church two times a week, let's say just two times, maybe a Bible study and an, another service, and that's, uh, we have four services a week, but if you came to half of those services, that's a hundred, roughly a hundred services a year times 30 years, 3,000 times. You have heard the word of God. If you've come more often, it's more. You have heard, if you have been saved for a number of years and have been faithful to church, you have heard hundreds, if not thousands, of messages from God's word. Knowledge is not what we need, many of us. Some new believers, they need knowledge, they just don't know. What we need is what James is going to tell us today. And we need to encourage others in our church to live James 1, 22 to 27. The word of God is a mirror. Verse 22. But be doers, but is a contrast. Okay? You, and this is in the context of the word of God, because the word of God helps us to be slow to anger And quick to hear because we're thinking it's not about us it's all about God and it's about God's righteousness if I'm quick to get angry I'm destroying my usefulness and I want to show people what God is like and God always does what's right so the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God God at the moment of salvation puts a desire for the Word of God in us I've been at four different times when I saw babies being born as my kids and Within minutes, if not less than an hour after they're born, they're already eating. They have a desire. They have no desire to eat when they're inside uh, their mother. But as soon as they're born, they have a desire for milk. They know how to take a bottle or eat as soon as they're born. What gave them that desire? Well, they lost nutrition from their mother, and now they've got to get uh, other nutrition. And they're instantly... Almost immediately hungry. And they keep staying hungry for uh, our whole lives, right? We have to be doers of the Word. The Word is in us, according to verse 21 a desire for the Word. If you don't have a desire for the Word of God, and you, if you've come to church here any length of the time, we open the Bible, we look at it, we uh, try to explain it and try to obey it, and we encourage you to encourage other people in our church to obey the Bible. And if that's not for you, you say, I do not like this church because of the overemphasis, you may say, on the Word of God. Okay, We are going to continue to emphasize the Word of God until the Lord comes back, Lord willing. Um, Because this is how we grow as Christians. And every true believer, when you are saved, you have the word of God, a desire for the word of God inside you. If you have no desire for the word of God every day of the week, when it's not Sunday, I'm going to say, I'm not sure you're a believer. Because this word, a desire for the word, makes, makes sense if you are alive. If dead people don't have a desire to eat, there hasn't been one dead person ever to eat any food, because they're dead. But people that are alive, usually, and they're healthy, they're hungry, want something to eat. You're probably thinking about, I'm not going to talk about food very much, but food is coming for us at lunch. We all have a desire to eat because we're healthy and we want to be alive, When you're alive to God, you have a desire for the Word of God. And so James is going to say, based on your desire for the Word of God, you need to be aware of what you will normally do. Naturally, we will deceive ourselves. How do we deceive ourselves? Thinking, I just have to hear the Bible. I just have to hear the Word. And I have talked, as uh, I've been here eight years and years ago, there were a Bible. There was, I think there was a Bible study on Monday night. There may have been a kids ministry, maybe teen ministry on Friday night. There were three services on Sunday. There was Wednesday night Bible study and prayer time. And I mean, that was probably six, uh, five or six times of the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, word. You say that's too much. Okay, can you have too much of the word? No, you can't. But in our schedules, uh, we want to be knowing and getting as much of the word as possible, but that is not, hearing is not enough. And how many times have I or you, have we sat through a service and heard the word of God and walked away thinking, I've done what God expected me to do. You've sat through a Sunday school lesson. You listened. You may have taken notes. That's good. And you think, that's all God expects me to do. James is going to say, oh, no. No, no, no. You don't understand the Christian life. Because the Christian life affects life. It's not just knowledge. It's not merely knowledge. So the word of God is like a mirror. Verse 22 continues, don't be doers of the word, but uh, not hearers, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Four, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, okay, which we normally, as he's talking to Christians, we normally think this way. If I hear God's word, I've done what God expects me to do. And verse 23 says, oh no, you're like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. Okay, so I have a mirror today. This mirror sits um, in our bathroom. One side is regular. Anybody look familiar to you? Okay. The other side is three times. Okay. So if you think you're getting old... And you look at the mirror like this you're like "Nah, not too bad you turn it over to the three times you're like oh the wrinkles the blemishes if you think when your face when you wake up your face is fine you look in the mirror and you're like if I just don't get too close I'll be all right and if I'm standing up here I think you know what no one's within eight feet of me if I just stay eight feet away from everybody at church I can have blemishes, and it's not a big deal. Before I came up here, my wife said, you got something on your face. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Rubbing it off, i got something since I've been here on my face. So I did look at the mirror this morning. If someone says, and this may happen with kids, but usually not adults, someone says, you know what, I didn't even look in the mirror today. And a little boy says that to his mom, like, okay, go look in the mirror. Unless he's got a buzz cut, and unless he has brushed his teeth, Uh, He might not need a mirror, but most of us are not like that little boy. If your hair is any length, whenever you woke up this morning, you better look in a mirror. Mirrors are good, but you know what you should never do is never get mad at your mirror. I hate this mirror. I showed you that three times mirror. If you want to get mad at a mirror, I'll let you borrow this. Look at this. I'll stand back there with it if you want after. Hey, look at your face. Look really carefully at this. The Word of God is like this mirror. And if we want to grow as Christians, and every mature Christian wants to grow, actually every Christian, because the Word is in us and we're alive to God, we don't want to stay the same. If you are very unhealthy and you go to your doctor and he says to you, got your blood work back, you need to change some things in your life. Diet, exercise. Simple, right? So you sit at home on your couch with potato chips and you watch diet or you watch exercising videos. You stay on your couch though. Oh, that's too loud. This is not exercise, okay? Just this. That's not exercise at the table this is not exercise (laughs) I'm working my bicep I'll I'll change hands no all you're doing is putting food into your mouth and you're a nutritionist a doctor a a, a personal trainer is not going to be content if you're working with them to let you sit on the couch eat potato chips and watch exercise videos it's not gonna happen you're not getting healthier at all all you're getting knowledge you can watch all the YouTube videos you want about what's healthy to eat. But unless you say no to donuts and yes to broccoli, you're not getting healthier. The Word of God is like that. We naturally like things that are bad for us. We can't blame God if we sin and do things that are bad for us. We can't blame the Word. And we, we should blame ourselves because we like to hear the Word and not do it so what does James the mirror of the word we're like a man who looks at a mirror and does nothing about it and we walk away thinking the only problem I had was when I was in front of the mirror so if I'm not in front of the mirror I don't have any problems and if you're thinking about the Word of God as a mirror we look at the Bible and we say oh I don't look good compared to Christ. What I see about Christ in the Bible, I am not kind like Christ was kind. I am not loving enemies like Christ loved his enemies. I am not forgiving like Christ is forgiving. I'm not um, all the list of the fruit of the Spirit, joyful, peaceful, self-controlled. I'm not living in the Spirit Like Christ did and so what do we sometimes do is say you know what the problem is the Bible I'm gonna leave the Bible alone and if I don't look at it I don't see my blemishes it's like not looking in a mirror the blemishes are still there all of us struggle to live the Christian life in every area nobody's perfect in any area and the Word of God is going to show you as you read it how you need to respond how you need to act and not just listen. I've had people save me. I have been saved for 40 plus years. And I know the Bible. And my response to them is good. Now help someone else know the Bible. Someone that really needs all of your information, they say, oh no, I don't want to help someone that's addicted to whatever. I don't want to help someone that really has needs and their marriage is falling apart. I don't want to help a rebellious person. You have all this knowledge, but you won't use it. Yeah, pretty much. And if you have sat and and heard God's word, some of you have gone through the exchange training and you have never shared the gospel with anyone in the last year. You know what you're supposed to do and you're not doing it. It's because you don't know unsaved people. Well, yeah, we live next to unsaved people. You work with unsaved people. You might go out to eat with unsaved people. You'll be at a car show this Saturday with unsaved people. Brush up on a few verses and a few questions. It's not that difficult. We have knowledge about God and His plan, and we better be doing something with all this knowledge, or we're just packing our head, we know what the right answer is, and we think we can grow without obeying God. We all live this way. There are areas of my life that I think I know what's right, but I, I, I'm i fine as a Christian without obeying. Not true. I'm deceiving myself. No one wants to be deceived. I had a home inspection on my home because I wanted to buy my home knowing all of the problems that were I would have to deal with. And I didn't want the people that were buying a home for to deceive me into thinking this home is great and it's got all these major problems. So I hired a home inspector to make sure I wasn't deceived. But when we deceive ourselves, that's really bad. That's really foolish, James is gonna say. It's so dumb to deceive yourself. The problem's not the word. The problem's not God. The problem's not the mirror. That we're looking at the problem is the person in the mirror and the person in the mirror needs to not just see what's wrong but actually do something about it so James says we're like a man he looks intently at his natural face in the mirror verse 23 says so it's not a casual glance like someone who doesn't really care what his hair looks like he just walks by the mirror and says oh yeah looks good enough good enough for church I'm going I'm ready I get ready in five minutes. Sweet. And you're ready, and you're ready to go to church this morning. No, this other person is standing in the mirror, and some people take a lot longer than five minutes in the mirror. So they look, and they look at every single way that you can look in the mirror, and you're like, does this, does okay, yep, does my hair, yep, oh, there's something sticking out there. And you just look and look and look and turn, profile, every, a second mirror, right? And you're like, second mirror, how's the back look? And I didn't even look at the back of my hair, so I don't know what it looks like. Um. But some people spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. Why? Because they're very concerned with physical appearance. What would your Christian life be like if you spent as much time in front of the Word of God as you do in front of the mirror? Here's a rule of thumb. Spend more time in the Word of God looking intently at it than you do in front of the mirror. Some of us men say, Oh, easy, I already do that. Although there'll be other things that James will convict us of. but We think we can grow, though, without obeying God. We're like a man who goes and he forgets what he is like. Have you ever learned something in the Bible and then forgot it? You know why I try to memorize Scripture? So that I don't forget it. And I try to. I memorize Psalm 145, and I'm trying to pray it occasionally. Not every day, but as I'm riding in the car... Um, I'm trying to think okay what does verses 1 to 10 say and try to pray that however long I've got to drive try to pray God's Word you know what will happen if you pray God's Word after having memorized it you won't forget it you know why I don't want to forget the Bible so that I constantly obey it we think we can grow without obeying we're fooling ourselves What's James say? We are not growing without obeying. It does not matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how many notes you have accumulated from messages you've heard. It doesn't matter how many podcasts you listen to during the week and all your favorite preachers. It doesn't matter how many times you come here and listen to God's Word. You can be very, very, very immature and almost useless to God if the Word of God isn't changing you and you're not acting upon what you know. That's what James says here. You're not growing. You're fooling yourself. You're not growing without obeying. We think we can grow without obeying, but we can't. What's verse 25 say? That's the negative. Now verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, okay? This mirror, if you look carefully at this mirror, it has specks on it. I didn't clean it before I came. My fault, okay? That's not the point. But a mirror, if it's really cloudy, I don't know if you ever have a mirror in your in the room where you take a shower, and your shower fogs up the mirror. And you get out of the shower, and you're like, the mirror's fogged, I can't see. You can stand all day in front of a fogged up mirror, and you're like, I <laughs> I can't see anything until the it's wiped off or it's not not foggy anymore. There's nothing wrong though with God's word because this word is called what in verse 25? It's called the perfect law. Anything that we read about God like for instance, thou shalt not covet. There's nothing wrong with the 10th commandment. Wanting what someone else has is wrong. It's coveting. You're breaking the 10th commandment. And Paul said, I didn't even know coveting was wrong until I looked at the law and said, oh, I'm breaking this word. I'm breaking the law. There are a lot of people that think I can lust as long as I don't touch, I'm fine. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, if you lust after a woman, it's the same thing as committing adultery. You lust after a man. If you're women, you lust after a man, you're committing adultery. I'm breaking the 7th commandment. If I lust, yes, you are. You know what God's Word taught you? To look into the perfect law. God's law will make us like God, the righteousness of God, which was mentioned earlier in James 1, 20. It's about being like Christ. And when we we compare ourselves with other people, we're not wise. Well, I'm better than them, we say, or we think, we're not wise. What we need to compare ourselves to is Jesus. Perfect, perfect humanity, perfect holiness, perfect righteousness. Perfect obedience of the word of God. We look at Christ and then we look and say, how am I like Christ? How am I not like Christ? What needs to change in my thinking? And for instance, in our thinking, Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We don't esteem others better than ourselves. Oh, that's so convicting. Yes, it is. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Pray for them. Treat them kindly. What? That's what God's law is. And we look at it and say, How? I am not obeying that. I am not. I'm not going to love my enemy. Okay, then you're choosing to disobey. But it's not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of self-control. The mirror of the word shows us that we cannot grow without obeying. And we're not growing if we're not obeying. Verse 25, the positive. Whoever looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law that has set us free. There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments, but we can't obey them to get to heaven because we we break God's law. But if we would obey them and we ask God to help us and we can't obey them, so we trust in Christ alone who has obeyed them. When we trust in Christ alone and we look at God's word, we are set free. We have already learned about that in verse 18, that God has brought us forth by the word of truth. God has put the implanted word in us that's able to set, uh, set us free from our filthiness and rampant wickedness. The Word of God shows us that we are filthy and rampantly wicked. The Word of God shows us that we are not quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We're not like that. The Word of God, just in James 1, let alone the rest of the Bible, shows us that we fall well short of the glory of God. So what are we going to do? Close the Bible, don't read it, try to forget what we heard In messages and our devotions no that's not the solution the solution is verse 25 we look into it it's the law that will set us free from ourselves from our self deceit and we persevere in looking this is not a casual glance like the one who looks intently at his natural face you see that in verse 23 if you see a blemish in the mirror it's not the mirrors fault it's your fault for the blemish we live in a fallen world everybody has blemishes As we get older, the blemishes increase and are magnified. That's just how it is. Spiritually, as we grow in grace and knowledge of our Savior, our actions should drastically change. And we keep changing. If you have stopped changing spiritually, you've stopped growing. How have you stopped growing? You're content with hearing the Word, and you're not willing to do anything. And that might be some of you who have come here for years and years and you really haven't grown because you think, I just have to hear the word. I don't have to do anything about it. That's for someone else. Okay. No, it's not. It's for you. It's for me. What if we would look into the law of liberty and persevere in looking, say, God, this sounds like I'm disobedient. I didn't even realize this was a law. I forgot about this. Show me how I, uh, I need this. I read this morning Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And it goes on to say, Forget not all of his benefits. He heals all of your iniquity, heals all of your diseases. I need to bless the Lord. All of my sin have been covered. I need to bless the Lord. All of the healing, all the good things that James 1 has talked about is the Lord doing those good things for me. I need to bless Him and praise Him. The Word of God reminded me this morning that, yep, life's about praising and blessing the Lord. So the person who looks into the perfect law and perseveres and says, this is not a casual glance, this is not a, oh, okay, I read my Bible, I'll check it off, I'll check the box at the bottom on the app, and I'm done till tomorrow. No, this is someone who looks and might go back and look and say, "Huh, what does, what does that mean? Why did Jesus say that, or why did the psalmist write that?" And you go back and you think about it, you meditate on it. Why do we meditate on God's word and persevere in it? Because we don't want to be content with hearing, who for being a hearer who forgets. I'm back in verse twenty-five, but a doer. Who acts it's not about learning it's about learning so that I can change a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing it doesn't say he will be blessed in his hearing the blessing does not come until the transformation happens we look into God's Word that sets us free we act upon what we see we apply it to our lives It changes us from the inside, how we think, to what we desire, to what we believe, to how we act, how we talk, and how we act with people and with God. And we are blessed only if we will hear and obey. The blessing comes after the obedience and not before. So we're hearing God's word right now. You've heard it in Sunday school if you're here at Sunday school. You're only blessed if you do it. So don't fool yourself into thinking, I'm doing God's will by being at church and listening. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here. But you better do something about it. You're more informed, but you can be a disobedient, informed Christian, and you won't be blessed. Blessing comes from where? It's kind of understood here. It comes from God. God will bless your life and my life if I will seriously take it under consideration. I normally, naturally deceive myself, thinking I can grow without obeying. But I realize I'm not. I need to hear God's word first, and then I need to obey it. And then the blessing comes. What does Psalm 1 say? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. All those three things are actions. They're not knowledge. It requires action to not take counsel from ungodly people. It takes action to say no to sinful people. I'm not going to sit with you or walk by the way. I'm not going to participate in sin. And over and over again in the book of Proverbs, the wise person puts up guards, has to say no to ungodly friends, has to say no to the strange woman has to say yes to wisdom. Yes, I will seek after wisdom. All those are actions. They're not just learning. We have to get out of it. And, and out of this idea that we are just have to teach. And if you're a teacher here in Sunday school, junior church, Wednesday night, Kids for Truth or Teen Ministry, that's a lot of you. We as teachers have to think this way. I've not done my job until... My students know what to do with God's Word. See, to give them information, this is who Jesus was, this is what he did, uh, this is who the apostles were, this is what they did, this is what they taught, this is what the Old Testament, Moses and David and Daniel, this is what, who they were, this is what they did. If there's no, this is what you need to do because of what is in the Bible, we have failed as teachers. So part of our teaching, teachers, save time at the end or throughout, like I do, so I try to vary it. Sometimes it's every slide and sometimes it's at the end. I put it all together and say, this is application. Why do we have an application? Because of James 1, 22 to 25. That's why I have an application. And I haven't done my job until I tell you what to do with the truth that I, I, I gave you. You haven't done your job as a Christian in your daily devotions until you ask yourself what am i going to do today based on what i just learned we say that requires more time yes and it's a good use of time it's actually a very good use of time because that's when you start to grow instead of thinking i've read my bible i've listened i'm good to go no you're not too good to go until that has changed you Or you're attaching something to your mind, saying, I'm going to meditate on this until this changes me today. It needs to change the way we think. And if we're getting angry, James 1.19, memorize that. Meditate on it day and night until you say, God, help me not to be angry and help me to think this before I get angry. Blessed are we whenever we hear and obey. Second thing, the the, uh, word of God is a filter. This morning I made coffee for myself. And this is the filter that I used, okay? We have filters everywhere in our lives. If you look out these windows, there are screens. Those are filters. If there are bees outside, we feel comfortable opening the window, even if we can see bees flying out there because we know they can't get in if the screen is functioning. Why, because bees can't get through little holes that that, that screen is. But I would never use that screen for my coffee because that screen would let grounds into my coffee. Then I'd be chewing my coffee instead of drinking it. If you look carefully at this screen and look at any other coffee filter, we're gonna enjoy coffee in a few minutes, the the coffee filters are very, very fine mesh. What's the purpose of a filter? It's to stop things that you don't want to go through. You have air filters in your car, you have screens in your house, you have air filters in our filtration system for our uh, heating and air conditioning you actually have a filter in your nose that I tore up some of my house and I got 250-year-old dust in my nose and I had a filter, nose hairs. Great, that's great. But that's a filtration system that God built into into our bodies. We have filters, we enjoy filters all the time. But if you ever have someone that says, I just speak my mind. And they give that as an excuse for a lack of a filter. Or, you've been around someone and just what comes out of their mouth is not appropriate. Like, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they said that here. Or I can't believe they said that at a funeral. Or I can't believe they said that at a family gathering in front of everyone. Oh, that just, there's some things, TMI, right? too much information. And if someone lacks a filter, maybe you can't put this here. It doesn't stop words from coming out. And all of us have been there where we've said something and are like, I can't take it back. And I've done it way more than probably you because I speak for a living almost. So we need to have a filter. What needs to govern how much? the filter needs to filter out. And I I meditated on this this week. And I think what God's going to teach us in verses 26 to 27 is that the filter is as fine as it needs to be. There are filters that are are more fine than this. I think the coffee filters we have are a little more fine than this. You can see through this filter. Um, But this is not as fine as that screen. But there's also filters like chicken wire that you may have seen. They just have to filter out chickens. They keep the chickens in place. So... Things can get in and out of that, bugs and air and everything, but it's going to filter out what you don't want. You don't want the chickens, so you put the chicken wire that's bigger, right? And so we have different filters, different ways of controlling, and let's see what James is going to teach us in verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious, and that's a unique word right here in the New Testament, that means another noun verb, this is adjective, means worshiping angels, which is a negative but it's the idea of doing uh, diligent, very uh, meticulous. And We think of the Pharisees when you think of this word religious. So James probably had that in mind. And the, the um, Christians that he's writing to would have known very religious people. Okay, You probably know some very religious people. Some people would say they're religious about watering their flowers. And so every day, 6 a.m., shh. They're out there watering flowers, or they're very religious about the lawn that they have. And so every the four steps of Scott's lawn, they're okay. It's it's a day passed. I'm really getting anxious about my lawn, and I got to get out there and fertilize it. So, and and people do things religiously. We we talk that way. James is going to say if someone thinks he is religious. So I'm going to use the word a good Christian. What does a good Christian do or not do? We all have a filter, okay? In our thinking and as we have a filter in our thinking what should be filtered out is a good Christian doesn't think this way or doesn't talk this way or doesn't go here or there but a good Christian does do these things and, and, and these things so a filter will filter out what you don't want like my filter filtered out the grounds of the coffee when I pushed it down and it kept just the coffee just the liquid Very, very small particles of coffee got in, and I didn't taste them, okay? Didn't have to chew them. So the filter of the word. What is God's word supposed to filter out of our lives? Well, verse 26 says, if someone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, there's the word deceit again, and you're deceiving yourself into thinking or desiring something that is not true this person's religion is worthless so someone who is really meticulous about doing the right thing saying the right thing avoiding what's wrong and they're so concerned about that that they allow into their heart thoughts that will come out out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks right so what you're really thinking will eventually come out and if your filter is not informed by the word of god what comes out, it'll be very obvious to a lot of people, just let's listen to you talk. And that's what James 126 says: uh, "The Word of God filters our good Christian thoughts. Have you ever said something you say, "I should never have said that. I should never have said it that way or that timing. I need to go apologize. And you know what happens as you get older and you grow as a Christian? Your filter gets more refined the anger and the slander and the gossip and the other ways of using our tongue to hurt people and cut them down in the sarcasm, they end up, you know what, that is not Christ-like. If my kids ask me where something is and I say, I didn't have it last, that's not helpful to them. That's not good parenting. It's sarcastic, it's funny maybe, but it's not helpful, it's not kind. So I can't think, a good Christian parents this way, sarcastically, um, we don't irreverently talk about God. I, I try not to joke around with, with God's word. There, And the more I know about God, it informs my filtration system. So if I have a screen as a filter and I try to filter coffee, a lot of stuff's going to come through that filter. And as new believers, this happens all the time. And what comes out of their mouth may even be profanity at times are like oh i just screwed up saying that word or these words so you need to change your filter what causes someone to change their filter the knowledge of who god is okay so the more i know about who god is where do i find out who god is and what he expects of me it's in the word this is how the word informs our filtration system and the word of God tells me God is holy, and what I say must be holy. Okay, everything unholy has been blocked by my filter now. It's not going through. God is loving, He is steadfast in loving, and He will not allow anything unloving. Christ never said anything unloving. So anything unloving has got to be blocked by my filter. And as I build a filter, God's word informs of how I need what I need to block. And the knowledge of God blocks a, should be blocking a lot of what I want to say as a Christian and say, you know what, this doesn't work, God's righteousness. People are not going to get a better picture of who God is if I say that. I need to not say that. I think of a lot of funny things when I'm preaching, and I have to say, you know what, I can't say that. I can't say that. And I have once or twice I have even said, you know what, I, I started this, and I, I can't finish this illustration, Sorry. <laughs> because my mind goes and my, mind, my, my 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 mouth says yeah you got to say that that would be hilarious well hilarious isn't what i'm going for as a preacher of god's word so we have to adjust our filter with god's word so your tongue reveals whether or not you're obeying god's word and your tongue reveals what a good what, is, what you're really thinking so just speaking your mind is not a virtue it's a vice well, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Yes, but well, what's love mean? Love is patient and love is kind. Love seeks not its own. It's not easily provoked. And l- go down the list of 1 Corinthians 13, and that needs to inform your filter. Your filter needs to allow only things that are through it that are kind and patient and thinking no evil and bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. You can see how just, the, just love, if you put that on your filter of your mouth, And just let love out and and say, you know what? Self-control says, I shouldn't say that. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, you shouldn't say that. And a godly friend's going to say, no, you shouldn't say that. Because God's word says this. So it filters, and we need to be thinking like Christ if we're going to talk like him. And our tongue reveals whether or not we're really a good Christian or we just think we are. What's the end of verse 26 say? If you don't bridle your tongue, and he's going to talk more about the tongue in James 3, but just to mention it here, if you don't bridle your tongue, you just say whatever you want to say. You're, you, you lack a filter or a very good one. You're trying to do, be diligent to show people and, and trying to serve the Lord. That is worthless. If I was a very profane, if I used profanity, you know how long I'd be preaching here? If on Saturday when I'm talking to unsaved people and I use a lot of profanity, you know how useful I'll be in witnessing? Not very useful at all. You can see how the tongue makes me useful or not useful to God. That's convicting. And I <laughs> I, I, can think I'm a good Christian, but if I don't bridle my tongue, God's not be able to use me and my religion. All my good works are useless, worthless. Verse 27. And we're done religion that is pure and undefiled okay so we have a really good filtration system because if I have a filtration system in my home I have it in my refrigerator I change it every six months I'm supposed to I change it every year actually I let it go twice it filters out whatever the city of lower Drake or wherever I get water from whatever impurities that they have left in the water to pass inspection or the FDA or whatever however it works I have another filtration system in my house to filter out more impurities. I have to change that filter constantly because I want clean water to drink and cook with. So religion that is pure and undefiled. We all love things that are pure and undefiled, especially if we're drinking then or if we want people around us that are pure and undefiled. So we want to be people like this. We're living before God, the Father. If we're going to serve God diligently, which is what this word religion means, then how do I what does this look like? It looks like bridling my tongue, so not saying whatever I think, putting a filter on that what comes out is Christ likeness. And then here's what comes out in my actions. So it's the tongue and it's my actions. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. I need to show love to people that are needy. In James's day, if you were a widow or you're an orphan, you were almost always, always destitute, poverty stricken. Not so much today because of insurance and retirement and everything else, but there will be people around us that are really needy. The most needy people around us, we need to be showing love to them. That is how we need to focus our... this is what needs to filter out. Whatever's not loving gets filtered out and say, yeah, that's not loving. Looking down on people or saying comments to people, it's not loving. Okay, So whatever is loving and how we treat people that are less fortunate than us, shows us a lot about what we think about our God. And it should filter out things that are not loving. And then the end it says, to visit widows and orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. As I watch television and YouTube and search the Internet, I need to have a filter on what I watch and what I don't. Because if I entertain myself with worldliness, what is worldliness? First John two fifteen says this, the love, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You can have whatever you want. You can lust. Uh, coveting is fine, the world says, and you are your own boss. Pride is promoted. Self-esteem is preached. And that's what the world says. And that is all loving the world. And the love of the world and the love of the Father are not compatible in 1 John 2, 15, 16. So I keep myself unstained from a world that is very far from God and hates my Savior. I will not entertain myself with someone who blatantly takes God's name in vain. That's a filter that I have. What informs that? The third command, right? It says don't take God's name in vain. And we're not even allowed to entertain ourselves with People that take God's name in vain you have to have your own filter it's and, and you have to keep yourself unspotted unstained from the world why why do we like purity unstained undefiled things because this is what we use I am NOT going to use my toothbrush if it's got a stain on it or it's got hair in it Ugh. it's about usefulness And I control my tongue and I control what I put as a filter of God's word and God's character and Christ's likeness so that God can use me, so that my life is not worthless, which is what James says here. So you and I have to ask ourselves on a daily basis, what is the word of God filtering out of my life? It should be filtering constantly. If I put raw sewage into my filtration system of my my uh, refrigerator, it should filter out a lot, but I'm i am still not going to drink that. But there are some devices that people can take backpacking and you take unsafe water, you put it through this filtration, and it comes out and you can drink it. And you're like, whoa, that's really cool. Why? Because that filter is different than what I have on my fridge at home. It's made for that. So filters in our lives, a mirror and a filter... <laughs> And every time you see a filter now, every time you look in the mirror, you'll be thinking God's word. How does God's word show me myself? And I need to change. I need to act, not just I need to learn. No, nope. I need to act. And then a filter. What needs to be filtered out of my life so that God can use me? This is how mature Christians think. They love God's word. They hunger for it. They're feasting on God's Word. They're looking at it. They're studying it. They're meditating on it so that God can use, and God's using it in their life to change them, to clean them, to make them more holy and useful. And then when we are confronted with ministry opportunities, we know how to help people grow and change because the Word has transformed us, and it can transform them as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that we would be doing the word. Help us to study it this week. Help us as we think about mirrors and filters, that you would help us to look into your word and change and do something about it. Help us to repent of just hearing and not doing. Help us to repent of thinking we're a good Christian and our tongue says otherwise. Help us to repent of a lack of love that we have for the less fortunate around us, and causing us to um, think the world is no big deal, to feast on its entertainment and the pleasures of the world. I pray that you would cause us as Christians to act based on what we know to be true about your character. You are pure, you are undefiled, and you are holy. I pray that your word, help filter these things out of our lives so that you can use us, use our tongues, use our thoughts, use our doing the word to serve you and to lay up treasure in heaven for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.